Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. As we know, the NFL is a copycat league. I mean, hell, all sports are. If something is working, you best believe somebody else is going to rip that approach and then use it themselves. Whether it's on the field or in the boardroom, it is going to get ripped. Why not? Niner fan. Niner fan. Your organization just ripped a page from your hated Rams rival. From their operating manual, you ripped their page. Time for you to embrace your inner Rams GM Les Sneed. Say it with me. F them picks. F them picks. picks. I love that not only the way he says it or that he says it, but the way he says it. F them picks. F them picks. F them picks. picks. The Niners are saying F them picks. picks. That's exactly what your GM is saying now, John Lynch. F them picks. picks. That's what the organization did last night in going all in and making that deal for Christian McCaffrey. F them picks. They're all the hell in. Now, if you want a good player, you're going to pay a steep price. That is a good player. In fact, a great player when he's on the field. And that was a pretty steep price. Now, they did not give up a first rounder. That's the good news. They did not give up a first rounder, but they still gave up a bleep ton. Just be glad, in a way, that this dude is injury prone. Or that price would have been much higher than it already was. So in terms of McCaffrey, even though he has missed enormous chunks of each of the last two seasons, they're still sending not one, not two, not three, but four draft picks. In other words, F them picks. F them picks. So did they overpay? Did they overpay? Too soon to tell. If they win it all, there is no such thing as overpaying. And clearly, the Niners think that this is a move that's going to put them over the top and rip them a ring. Obviously, or they don't make that move. They're not making this move to rip the NFC West. They're not making this move to make a deep run in the postseason. They've done all that. They're making this move to rip the chip. And if they do, then it's a great move. And then they don't overpay. But, but if he can't stay healthy, and if they can't stay healthy, and they get knocked the hell out, then they roll the dice, and then they crap the hell out. So again, good move or bad move? We don't know yet, but I can say this. I don't need to wait to find out to tell you I love the move. I already love it no matter what. I love it because it's brass, and it shows that they are in it to win it. And we know that not everybody is. Yeah, I know, that sounds weird. Sounds counterintuitive. Fact of the matter is, not everybody is in it to win it. Some, if not many, are in it to make money. This shows they're all in. They're in it to win it. It sends a message to everybody in the locker room and to their own fans and to the rest of the league that Lobster Jr. and John Lynch Jr. ain't playing. So what I'm going to say is that's a pretty damn good day for everybody involved. Everybody. Well, everybody except Panthers interim head coach Steve Wilkes. His day sucks. Because his job sucks. Because his team sucks. Because he's got to be pissed. So everybody is happy except Wilkes. 
but nobody more so than McCaffrey. McCaffrey is now officially off the biggest sinking ship in the NFL, and now he gets to play in Kyle Shanahan's offense. And Kyle Shanahan finally gets a weapon that he's really never had in McCaffrey. Never. I mean, that might even actually make Lobster Jr. smile. Have you ever seen Lobster Jr. smile even once? Maybe. Maybe because McCaffrey is literally the perfect fit for that scheme. If he can stay on the field. As for Carolina, it's not all bad. It's bad, but it's not all bad. Like, Carolina knows their ass. Nobody has to tell them that. They know that. And this is a hell of a way to start another rebuild by adding all that draft capital. Rams fan, even you sort of win on some level. No, you did not get McCaffrey. Although, according to reports, you were in on him. But you know damn well you drove that price up on the Niners like they did on you and Matthew Gofford. But again, think about how Christian McCaffrey has got to feel this morning. He's now going to be a part of Lobster Jr.'s game plan and not a part of Benjamin McAdoo's game plan. In that sense, that dude's already won his Lombardi. And think of all the things that Lobster Jr., can now do with McCaffrey, the McCaffrey chess piece in that offense. He's never had a running back like this guy ever at any stop. A dude who ran for 1,000 yards and had over 1,000 yards receiving in a single season. Talking about an elite, versatile running back when healthy. That's the key, when healthy. But if healthy, imagine running that guy through the Shanahan zone scheme. I mean, that's serious. The same one, the same scheme that Christian grew up watching his dad, Ed, play in Kyle Oldman's Lobster Senior scheme with the Broncos. And then you add in Christian's ability to catch the football out of the backfield and do what he does in open space. I mean, that is serious, assuming he stays on the field. And then imagine him with all the other weapons. He joins my favorite weapon in Debo Samuel. Have fun with that, all DCs. Have fun trying to figure out how to scheme for Debo, George Kittle, Ayuk, and now Christian McCaffrey. Lucky, now lucky for the same DCs, Jimmy G is still the quarterback. But, but, on paper, if the team can get healthy, stay healthy, look the hell out Glendale. Because the Niners definitely have the look of a team that can go to Glendale and win once they get there. If, but, but, if they stay healthy. Because fact of the matter is, I'm not sure you've been paying close attention, but the road to the Super Bowl through the NFC is not nearly as tough as it's been. You pretty much have Philly and then a bunch of extremely flawed so-called contenders. And this team was one drop pick away from going to the Super Bowl last year. And their defense under D'Amico Ryans is even better right now. So, Lobster Jr. and John Lynch were not wasting this mother of a D like they did back in 2019 when they lost to KC in Super Bowl 54. That's why they pushed their chips to the center of the table. I'm not saying that that move wins them the Super Bowl, but I love what it represents, and it might win them the Super Bowl. Maybe. F them picks. F them picks. F them picks. F them picks.
whole thing is so interesting, right, with these family dynamics. Now that Mike Shanahan's kid has Ed McCaffrey's kid, I wonder if Rod Smith's kid is available. That'd be like Jake getting a radio TV simulcast and hiring Alvin's kid to fire fat alarms. You follow that? That's exactly what that would be like. You know what's weird about Rod Smith? Whenever I think of Rod Smith, I think of this one story, and not a story you would expect. Back, 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 back in the day when the show was still local in 690 AM in San Diego. We had not yet syndicated. And back in the day, and remember, like no internet, no social, none of that, just like over-air broadcast. Rod Smith, and I want to say he was a rookie, his rep got to us and put him on the show, and it went well. And then the rep came right back, literally. Within a week, I think it said, Rod had a great time. Can you do it again? I said, sure. And then he did it again. And then all of a sudden, we had this rapport. And he's coming on every single week. And my thought always was almost no guest works every single week, especially back then. There weren't those, like, weekly hits. You know, and, and now you can justify it for the right guest. But we were doing it, and it was fun, and we were building rapport, and he must have done eight or nine weeks in a row, and it was good. Like, I liked the relationship. I liked the energy. And then one day, I got on the air, and I said, Denver, I think, is going to lose this week. And it worked its way back to Rod Smith. He's like, oh, hell no. I'm never doing that show ever again. I'm like, you're never doing that show ever again? You've done it nine weeks in a row. Wait, seriously? You're never doing the show ever again. I always thought that was weird. I, and literally, as great a player as he was, I don't know that we ever spoke again after that. Weird. Hey, are you craving some protein after a good workout? I always am. Listen, this time, don't make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender and made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach, anywhere at all. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clone. If you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Oh, Trapper, what's your beef? Dan Lanning. Dan, it is great to have you on the show. Good morning. How are you? Hey, great. doing great this morning. Appreciate you having me on, Jim. It's good to have you. Really good to have you. So you've got a tremendous opportunity. You've got number 10 UCLA coming to town tomorrow. Let me ask you, Dan, how did the week of practice go in your mind? And then how pumped up are you for the opportunity? We're excited to play, um, you know, and this is one of those games that doesn't take any extra juice for your players. Every day they walk out to practice, they're excited to get better, too. So we just got to go out there and, and uh, put our best foot forward and execute at a high level. All right, so as I mentioned, UCLA's top 10. Of course, you got Chip Kelly returning to Eugene, and I know your fans. You don't have to tell them. I know they'll be juiced up as well. What kind of an atmosphere are you expecting at Autzen Stadium tomorrow? Yeah, it's been a lot of fun so far this season, experiencing that firsthand, but I think this is going to be the best one yet. And, uh, you know, game day will start early. I think it'll be 6 o'clock out here with that cranked up and rolling. And obviously the, the environment of having, uh, you know, really two, two top ten teams going against each other is going to make for a really special place. 
Oregon head coach Dan Lanning is my guest. So, of course, when you think about UCLA, Dan, I'm sure a lot of things come to mind, but you start with the quarterback, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Obviously, a really dynamic player. He knows their system. He's executing at a high level. What is the key to slowing him down? Well, it's just that. It's it's making sure that one person is not the one person that can beat you, and he, he has that ability. You know, he has game play. Um, you know, big playmaking ability every single play that he touches the ball. I think one of the best things he does is he doesn't make bad decisions, right? So if it's not there, he can take it off and run with his feet. He's also really active in the run game, so have to be conscious of him at all times. I was going to say, how much of a threat to you is he with his legs, and how critical is it to defend the quarterback run tomorrow? I would imagine that accountability is something, right? Now you're accountable for all 11 at all times. That's it. You know, a lot of times as, as, uh, on defense, you can play with 10 and then have a, a middle field safety or have an extra hat somewhere else. And when you play a team like this, it's a lot harder to have extra hats, right? You, everybody has to be accountable across the board. We're talking to Oregon head coach Dan Lanning. So, Dan, I would imagine you might say the same thing about your own quarterback, right? Bo Nix. He knows the system. He's executing at a really high level. But unlike DTR, he's new to the program. He's new to the conference. So what do you make of how he's taken to and adjusted to a completely new situation and challenge? Yeah, Bo's done a great job. He's, uh, he's met every one of our expectations. And obviously, we've always thought really highly of him as a player. That's why we brought him here. And uh, he's executing at a really high level. And just like DTR, he can run, right? And I think that that's always dangerous when you have a quarterback that can run um, and throw the ball well. You know, it makes it tough to where you can defend one thing or the other. You know, I've seen that you like to tell your guys, play the game, not the moment. Play the game, not the moment. I like that. What does that mean? Well, it just means that this game has a lot of fanfare around it. And uh, the reality is all that fanfare has nothing to do with what happens between the white lines. And the only reason there's this much fanfare is for because of what you've done between the white lines. So focus on what got us here, right? Play the game that happens between the white lines. None of the fans are going to be playing in this game. None of the, the, the TV broadcasters, none of the media personnel, none of them are going to be in this game. It's us that affects the game. So that's really what it means. Play the game between the white lines and execute. Dan Lanning is my guest. You know, Dan, a question about the bye week is not the sexiest thing, but I'm really curious about this. Like, the bye week is so important because you want to use it and you want to get guys rest and recovery, especially if they're banged up. But I'm curious – how do you approach it? Can you approach it more proactively in the sense that can you actually get better as a team during the bye week? Yeah, I think the best teams do. And, uh, you know, talking to our team yesterday, I asked them, what do you think some of our advantages were? And they're like, coach, we threw shoulder pads on the entire bye week. I'm like, yeah, we worked, you know. So our, it's certainly a time for rest and recovery, but it's a time for us to get better. You know, we had individual improvement plan for every one of our players that week. Here's what they got to focus on to get better, what we can get better on as a staff. And it also lets you kind of deep dive back into the things that you get during fall camp where you have a lot of connection with your players. You lose a little bit of that during the season. So having some events outside of football is a, is a big moment during bye, uh, bye weeks. Yeah, Dan, it seems to me I'm on the outside looking in, but I could see where a young coach like you might be overwhelmed by an opportunity like this. But you're clearly making the most of your first head coaching experience. Like, I get that you're in it. I get there's a lot of work ahead. But what has the experience been like so far for you? And what's the biggest adjustment you've had to make? I think the, the biggest benefit I have is I have a really great coaching staff. And uh, I got players that are hungry that want to get better. So it makes my job a lot easier when you have great people around you. Um, that, that are good at their jobs and you let them execute and operate at a high level, it really makes the things that you have to do as a head coach 
a lot easier. So it hasn't been that crazy of a transition. I got to watch some really good, um, you know, head coaches do it for a long time before I sat in this seat. And um, the biggest thing I learned is be yourself and, and let your coaches coach. Yeah, you actually ripped my next question. I was going to say, because you worked on both Nick Saban and Kirby Smart staff, you've seen the best of the best. Like, what's the single thing that you learned from each of them, if you can share that, one from each? Yeah, um, I, you know, I think with Nick, um, it's that you can learn something from anybody. You know, it really doesn't matter who's in the room. Um, you know, there, if there's something that uh, you can get better at, um, I think he's one of the best at, at, at taking something that somebody else does and says, okay, we need to figure out how we can incorporate that into our program and use it. Um, and then I think with, you know, Kirby, it's really his ability to, to quality control a situation, whether it's traveling back from a game and saying, hey, next time we travel, I want this sandwich instead of this. Um, you know, it's, hey, I want to do a six-minute warm-up before the game instead of 10-minute warm-up you know, really be able to assess the situation, say what went right, what went wrong, regardless of win or loss, how can we do it better next time we do it? And I think that's why you see both those programs, you know, I think people think they, they rule with an iron fist, but what they do is they do a phenomenal job of adapting and, and growing in the moment and changing over time. And that's what I learned from both those guys. Talking to Dan Lanning, I love that response. Thanks for that. Now, listen, you worked, you've been in this conference before because you worked for Todd Graham at Arizona State, so you've had conference experience in the Pac-12, and of course, you worked at the highest levels in the SEC. Totally different animals, but in terms of depth and quality, how does the Pac-12 compare to the SEC in your mind? Yeah, I've been um, impressed, you know, week in and week out, just with the with the level of coaching and the players in this league right now. I think. Um, there's an excitement surrounding this league. There's some really good teams here. And I think you see it because every week you pull up the schedule, and you're like, oh, gosh, all right, here we go again. Let's go. And uh, that's what you want. You know, you want to be able to play at a high level. Obviously, the SEC is a really talented conference, has great play, uh, players and great coaches and, and uh, teams, but this, this conference does as well. All right, so before you go, share a story really quickly. Like so many others, your path to get where you are is pretty fascinating. You met Todd Graham, who I mentioned. He was at Pitt back in the day when you first met him. Where were you when you first met him? And then how did you end up working for him at Pittsburgh? Yeah, I was a high school coach um, at Park Hill South High School and an elementary PE teacher. And, and uh, this story could get really long, so we don't probably have time for it. But I do. I do. I got nowhere to be, Coach. <laughs> well... So for, for a long time, I'm the guy that's sending out letters every year to, to coaches that I don't really know, trying to say, hey, I'd love an opportunity to come scrub toilets, pour coffee, and be a GA or quality control. And um, eventually I'd gotten a response from a coach at Pitt. His name's Keith Patterson. He was the defensive coordinator. They had just taken the job, and he said, hey, I'll give you a call, you know, uh, probably after signing day. Uh, and the call didn't come. But I, I told my wife, she was pregnant at the time, and we had a one-year-old, but I told my wife, this is the closest I've ever been to getting a response. I'm going to drive to Pittsburgh tomorrow. So I drove to Pittsburgh. It's about, I don't know, somewhere around 13-hour drive, and uh, I waited outside, and I found out that the coaching staff wasn't even there. They were actually all at Penn State for a clinic. So stayed the night, got to meet uh, a couple people there um, at Pitt and waited for, for Coach Patterson to come back. Um, and met with him the next day and just said, hey, I'll do whatever it takes. I'd like to coach college football. So I got started there, I think, around 800 bucks a month as a quality control coach. Went and, uh, and moved the family out, and that was, that was kind of my beginning. And then Coach Graham obviously gave me an opportunity from there to go with him to Arizona State, grew as graduate assistant, and uh, you know, the rest is, is kind of history from there. But that was the beginning. 
Absolute gold. I love that story. That is such a great story. He is the head football coach in Oregon. And again, a big opportunity. You got Oregon UCLA coming up this weekend. Top 10 schools, a really, really good matchup. Dan, really appreciate that story. Appreciate you. Good luck and great to have you on the program. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jim. Have a great one. Have you ever experienced the flavor of actual live fire cooking? We're not talking about a fire pit in the backyard. This is about the big green egg, the ultimate cooking experience. An egg is the most versatile grill you will ever own. You can grill, roast, smoke, sear, and even bake. No joke. Try a pizza on the egg. It is incredible. Stop wasting money on grills that you replace every few years. We've all been there and done that. Forget the pellets and the knockoffs too. Listen to me. Roll with an authentic big green egg, a ceramic marvel backed by a lifetime warranty. It is simple to light, easy to use, and it works without a power source. There's no need to plug it in. With the playoffs and holidays approaching, you cannot beat a smoked turkey on an egg. It also makes an amazing gift, and they have two models that are perfect for tailgating. The best part is you can have it delivered to your house for free from a local dealer in your community. You heard me. Shop online at BigGreenEgg.com and have it sent to your house for free. That's BigGreenEgg.com, and you will thank me later. Bobby Okereke is my guest. Bobby, it's great to have you on. How are you? Doing well, Jim. How you doing, brother? Good, dude. Good. It's great to have you. Listen, I know yes, you're sir. focused. Good to be here. Yeah, you too. I know you're focused on Tennessee, but Bobby, take a moment, and I want to ask you about last week's big win over Jacksonville. Were they just the next team on the schedule, or honestly, did you have a little extra juice for that one since they beat you guys 24 nothing in week two? Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's bad blood from that, but, you know, another division opponent, uh, we got our eye on a banner this year, uh, winning that division title, and so it goes through those division games. All right, so Bobby, you injured your hand early in that game, but you played through it, and you went on. You had an enormous game. How determined were you to play through it, and then how is it right now? Uh, it's solid right now, but, you know, big time. In the moment, um, you know, you're just trying to win. Um, you know, I felt like I was playing well earlier, so I didn't want that uh, to be the damper on my day. Uh, but, yeah, dislocated my pinky. Uh, they just kind of snapped it back, stitched it up, and had me out there by halftime, so... It was great to finish the game uh, with a win with my teammates. I'm always amazed when you guys do that. Like, I understand you're a different breed. Like, if I dislocate my pinky, bro, I'm looking for a place to lie down and die. I mean, (laughs) is adrenaline a real thing? Like, what's that like when they pop that thing back in place? I mean, it hurts for sure. But um, when you're in the mentality of a game, I mean, you got your brothers there. So you don't want to let your brothers down, first and foremost. And, yeah, adrenaline's real. Um, But more than want to, you you want to play, you want to make plays, you want to win. So that, that kind of drives you through it all. Bobby Okereke joining us. So defensively, you guys kept the Broncos out of the end zone. They seal that overtime win two weeks ago. Then earlier this season, you were the ones that limited Kansas City to season lows in points and yards. I bring this up because I want to ask, how much pride do you and the rest of that defense have in playing well late in games and in finishing those games? You know, big time. Um, and especially this week, you know, unique opportunity. Um, Tennessee, they're real good in the red zone. They like to score points. So that's a big defensive challenge for us, you know, being able to stop them, uh, keep them scoring to a minimum, and uh, really help our offense uh, win this game. All right, speaking of Tennessee, when you think about them, you think about Derrick Henry, they often go as he goes. How does he look to you so far this season? In other words, does he look to you like he's all the way back to where he was prior to getting hurt last year? Yeah, he looks good. Uh, I mean, he looks confident for sure. He's running hard. Um, I mean, he's, he's, he's an elite competitor. So, you know, playing through injuries, that's kind of what everybody in this league does. But I think he's doing a hell of a job this year. But what about that? Like, I don't want to, like, 
keep harping on that, but you just said it. Everybody does it. If you're in that league right now, is it just a question of when and not a matter of if? Like, you know you're going to get hurt, and if you know you're going to get hurt, how do you not play with that in the back of your mind? Like, how do you work through that? Exactly. I mean, they say it, the injury rate in the NFL is 100%, so it's, it's not, like you said, if, it's when. Uh, but it's really just playing through adversity, um, and that comes you know, with losing games, getting injured, teammates going down. Like, there's, there's adversity all around football. So, you know, the great ones are the ones who can respond and keep playing, you know, despite all those distractions or, you know, those external factors. That makes sense. You talk about teammates going down. What about Shaquille Leonard? Like, that's a really good teammate. You never want to see anybody go down, but we're talking about the loss of an all-pro linebacker. He's been out for much of the season. You're one dude. It's a team effort. I get that. But when you lose somebody like that, have you taken it upon yourself to make an even bigger impact without him? Yeah. I mean, I just got to do my job. Um, I see myself as a playmaking splash play linebacker, you know, flying around sideline to sideline. So, you know, when you got a guy like Darius who accounted for, I want to say like 13 takeaways or something last year, like you, you got to step your game up. Um, but, you know, he's, he's still vocal. Uh, he still has a leadership role in our, on our defense. And, you know, he, he fuels us throughout the week. All right, so everybody knows that it's a quarterback-driven league, right? But there seems to be some confusion about the rough and the passer calls. Do you and your defensive teammates talk about that very much? I mean, at this point, do you even know what's a legal hit and what's not? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the clearest distinction right now is, is, is body weight. But, I mean, you've got you to play smart. You've got to know if you're playing against Tom Brady, um, you're playing against some of those prolific quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes, they might get some more favorable calls. Um, but it's really just playing smart. You know, playing physical and, uh, you know, just having that uh, accelerated vision. <laughs> right. It's, it's tough, though, for sure. Bobby Okereke is joining us. You're worried about your defense, but we're talking about quarterbacks. How good or how happy were you to see the offense lighted up the way they did last week? Matt Ryan having a huge game and doing so without Jonathan Taylor. I mean, that was, that was, that was amazing. Uh, you know, really bolstered the whole team. And I think the biggest thing was the protection. Um, you know, we always talk about protections, you know, offensive line, running backs, quarterbacks, making the right calls. And, you know, they, they looked on point. And we got some dynamic receivers, tight ends, uh, skill position players. So, you know, when the offense is humming, uh, it, it's a real good day. Speaking of running backs, Jonathan Taylor, how has he looked in practice this week? And I wonder, defensively, how much better does it make you guys going up against him in practice? Big time. Uh, he's looked good. Um, going, against, uh, going against him in practice, you know, he's quick. Uh, obviously, he's a big back, back and he's fast. He ran a 4-3. So it's a unique, unique challenge. really prepares us for any back in the league. Uh, you know, but when he's playing well in the game, uh, you know, our offense is staying on the field for a long time, keeping our defense fresh. So we, when we go out there, we can strike hopefully three and out and get the offense back on the field. Hey, Bobby, one sidebar. Your former Stanford teammate, Christian McCaffrey, just got traded to the Bay Area last night. With the Panthers moving him there, I mean, how tough was it to go against him in practice every single day in college? And how much more dangerous does he make the Niners if he stays on the field? Yeah, I mean, he's, he, he's an elite, dynamic player, um, if not one of the most elite, dynamic players in the league, uh, just from a speed, quickness, acceleration standpoint. Um, and like they say, iron sharpens iron. So going against him in practice, I remember my rookie year, uh, I want to say it was week, week uh, 12, week 13 maybe, we, played, we went up against him, um, and I, I was juiced up for that game because it was another opportunity to test myself against an, a great player. So, you know, I wish him the best. Obviously, he's going to do real well in the Bay. You know, it's familiar territory at Stanford, so I'm excited for him. Hey, Bobby, speaking of Stanford, your journey to the NFL really starts with your parents, Kingsley and Sandra, who emigrated from Nigeria. Since you wound up ending or attending Stanford, how much of your parents' stress was about education growing up as compared to athletics? That was the emphasis. Um, I mean, I didn't start playing football uh, un until high school. 
And I remember my junior year, I got my first offer and, and told my parents, hey, I got an offer from, from UW. You know, they weren't really aware of what that was. They were like, what's an offer? And I was like, it's a full scholarship to play football. So, you know, there was no real understanding about, you know, playing football, professional level, even college level. Uh, for them, it was always, you know, get a good education, go to Ivy League school, and just get a good job. So uh, Stanford kind of pr- provided the best of both worlds, wor- worlds for me, you know, to play football and get a great education. It, it really is amazing. For those who do not know, like when you were growing up, did you not think about football? Did they not, did they not allow you to play football? It is amazing that you started as late as you did, and you are where you are right now. Yeah, they didn't let me. I mean, I was playing baseball, and, you know, parents would always come up like, hey, we got to get Bobby on the Pop Warner team. Like, he's a good athlete, but, you know, my parents – I'm from Nigeria, you know, they, all they knew was soccer, uh, so they didn't really care too much about football. And even freshman year when I went, when I started playing, um, you know, they didn't really go to the games. It was kind of just like, all right, like as long as his grades are good, we'll let him do what he wants. Um, but, yeah, football's always been, you know, my ticket to freedom. Um, and, you know, playing well has always put me in a good position. Bobby, so did you like baseball? Like, I'm in Orange County, too, and both our kids played baseball, so I know that system pretty well. Did you like baseball, and were you playing travel ball? Were you playing pony? What was your baseball background? Yeah, I like baseball. Um, I was playing in Tustin Western Little League. Uh, I think I led my majors in home runs. I had like like six or something that my, my senior year. Uh, but I played a little pony, uh, and then I played freshman year of high school. Um, but, you know, came down to a decision where, you know, baseball coach was basically saying, you know, if you want, if you want to be serious about baseball, you got to show up in the summer. And I was like, summer is right preseason, right before football. I'm, I'm showing up to football practice. I'm not showing up to baseball. Uh, and, you know, that kind of prompted me to make the decision of just choosing football full-time. I get that. All right, so before you go, you're, you're from Orange County here in Southern California, which is perceived perceived to be a very affluent area. In a lot of ways, it is. But like every community, there are those in need. When you got to the Colts, you raised money for a nonprofit called Stand Up for Kids Orange County, which focuses on the problem of youth homelessness. I'm not being asked to ask this, but I want to ask this. Why is that a cause that resonates so much with you? Yeah, I think uh, my, my, my background in the Boy Scouts of America, um, I did a lot of service projects uh, over my time growing up. And, you know, that's been a, a, a big point of fulfillment for me, you know, just giving back, helping my community, um, community, community development. Uh, so when I had the opportunity to partner with that organization, it was big. I did some work with the Boys, Boys and Girls Club of Tustin this past off season. And, you know, I'm just looking for ways to get back um, and get back to the community that helped me get to the position where I am right now. I love that you keep mentioning Tustin because it really is not far from where I'm broadcasting from. Do you get back to the Tustin marketplace? Can you get back there, kind of kick and hang out? What do you do? Yeah, I do. I go back there. Uh, I'll see a couple of movies sometimes. Uh, but I'm in that whole Orange County area. area. Uh, you know, my, my agency's in Irvine. I, I train, hang out there. Uh, I guess my buddies in Newport Beach will we'll run a spot out there. But you know, Orange County, Tustin is is big time home place for me. Yeah, it is. I love it. It's great. Indianapolis got a big game coming up at Tennessee in Division Sunday, a CBS game, 1 p.m. Eastern. Bobby O'Kara came, my guest. Bobby, really appreciate you. Appreciate the relationship. Great to have you back, man. Thanks so much. Yes, sir. Appreciate you, Jim. So I've got a quick question for you. Do you feel like your antiperspirant keeps you dry all day long? Dove Men Plus Care Dry Spray has an instantly drying antiperspirant formula that can help give you a cleaner feel and offers 48-hour sweat and odor protection. I said it, 48 hours. It's incredible. And on top of that, Dove Men Dry Spray feels light, and it's clean on your skin, and it's quick, and it's easy to use, especially when you are on the go. And... 
Dove Men Dry Spray contains Dove's unique one-quarter moisturizing cream that helps to protect your skin. You know you got to have that. You have to moisturize. It leaves your skin feeling comfortable, and it helps to protect your skin as well. Truly, take advantage of that. You've got to moisturize. Try Dove Men Dry Spray. Goes on dry, clean feel, all day. We go to Pearland, Texas. Robert in Pearland. Hey, Robert, how are you? Good, good, Mr. Jim. Appreciate the opportunity to use your platform to address parody, Larry. Hey, Larry, whenever I see your smiling face, I want to punch it flat because I hate you. Yes, I do. When you give me that ugly little pout, I want to knock you out. There's something about you, Larry. I don't know. Hey, Larry, you do parodies? I do parodies. You do parodies for giggles. I do parodies because I have a pair of D's with all the cats. That's not a good call. No. No, Alvin. I don't like that call. I don't like that call. How do you know? Not a very good call. Hey, good job, Robert. Back at it. Let's go to, wait for it, Portland. James, my man, what's going on? Jimmy, my man, epic interview with Dan, the man, Lanning, and Alvin. It's great to see you're too busy reaching around on hub days. <laughs> they had to move the What's Your Beef segment to Thursdays. Good Lord. Jimmy, in honor of the San Diego Padres fans on Good Morning San Diego and to the longtime musician and clone parody Larry's masterpiece yesterday, I'm going to hop on the parody bandwagon myself, so here we go. Clones, <laughs> let's do this. Alvin's going down where it's the yellow or the brown. Deloro's coming in. Alvin knows you're loose, but he says, why does a caboose? Deloro's coming in. The ladies never lose, because when Alvin's done, he'll take you on a cruise. Deloro's coming in. Get Alvin those black, just watch out where it lands on your back. Deloro's coming in. That's not a good call. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Not a very good call. I don't know, James. I, I don't know where it leaves this pro. Like, I guess on some level, much respect for going as hard as you do. But you're pushing it, dude. In fact, you've gone beyond pushing it. I think now we're both in big trouble. I mean, I'll say this for you, my man. James, my man, you are not afraid. Dude, there are boundaries. There, come on, he didn't even get to come on. This message is sponsored by Discover. Did you know that you could reduce the number of unwanted calls and emails with online privacy protection, the latest innovation from Discover? Discover will help you remove your personal info, like your name and address, from 10 popular people search websites that can sell your data, and they will do it for free. Activate in the Discover app. See terms and learn more at discover.com slash online privacy protection. It's been two games, just two games, two games. And that purple and gold Titanic is already cracked right down the middle, split right down the middle, cracked in half, caught fire. The life rafts already full, the hole filling with water. People are jumping from the decks. She is sinking fast. That's the sound of people jumping off the deck of the purple and gold Titanic. 
Hey, Alvin, what did it sound like when people started to jump off of the hole? Ah! How many of you know what? The people stuck in coach as the rich people were allowed to go first. They were heard saying this when they couldn't get out. Let us off this. People in first class first, then women, then children. All the fathers stuck in coach were heard saying as she went down to the bottom of the sea. What I'm saying is yeah, don't you dare take that music away, Alvin. Or those screaming over that boat. That luxury liner going right to the bottom of the ocean. That's the Lakers. Two games in. What I'm saying is that home opener went about as well as you would all expect. There were fans in the stands screaming like this guy. Every time the ball ended up in Russell Westbrook's hands, you heard. Every time he let a shot fly, you heard. Every time he clanked one off the glass, you heard. Anytime any of them got the ball beyond the arc, you heard. Got the Clippers like sagging off completely, playing no defense whatsoever. The ball rotates to the open shooter beyond the arc, and you hear. Darvin Ham screaming for extra pass, extra pass, rotate, rotate. And then shooter doing what a shooter does. Anyway, the night overall went exactly the way you would expect it to go. Horribly, terribly, disastrously. Remember how it was LeBron himself who cracked the roster and gave up on his shooters only one game in. Remember these comments. Looks, I think, um, but it also could be teams giving us great looks. I mean, if you be completely honest, we're not a team that's constructed of, of great shooting. And that's just the, the truth of the matter is. It's not like, you know, we're sitting here with uh, a lot of lasers on our team. So, you know, but that doesn't deter us from still trying to get great shots. And when we get those opportunities, you take them. But we're not sitting here with a bunch of 40-plus career three-point shooting guys. I mean, it, it looked like a football team, you know, if, like, you know, if you had a football analogy and you had a bunch of guys that was underneath route runners. But where's the James in Portland manual buzzer for that analogy? Uh, I actually know, respected pass. everything he said. I, I respected everything he said up until then because he was being real and what he said was not wrong. And I love that line about it's not like we've got a bunch of lasers on this team. And then he got to feeling about himself the way he normally does. I'm smart. I'm really smart. And he is. LeBron is very smart. But then he went with a football analogy that made no sense whatsoever. And he got super convoluted and watered down the whole thing. And then I was like, oh! It, that part of it was bad. Not Space Jam. Everybody's throwing up on themselves bad, but bad. And even if what he said was true... How wild is it that he went there after one game? But like Howard Beck said yesterday when he came on, he was not wrong. And if anybody doubted that, the Lakers made sure to back up his point last night because L.A. shot 35% from the floor last night, 20% from beyond the arc, 
and Russ West Brick shot 0%. As in, he made no shots. 0.0. He went 0 for 11 from the field. And this is from the guy who says it's not fair to call him West Brick. West Brick. Hey, Russ, crazy idea. Maybe try to hit some shots. I don't know, Russ. Maybe try to hit one shot. I'm going to blow your mind right here, Russ. And I know you've forgotten more basketball than I will ever know. But the best way to lose that handle, West Brick, is to avoid going 0 for 11. In the home opener against your rival. Otherwise, West Brick, West Brick. you're bleep out of luck. Because then it's the most appropriate handle ever. But it wasn't just West Brick throwing up West bricks Brick. last night. Pat Brick was one for seven. West Brick. Ken Brick, none, was West 0 Brick. for seven. The team as a whole went nine for 45 beyond the arc. And I'm telling you, they were missing some wide-ass open looks all night long. And why are they getting wide-ass open looks? Not because they're moving the ball, not because they're spacing well, but because the opposition wants them to shoot, especially from beyond the arc. And if all that weren't a bad enough look, Russ had to go get into it with a fan after the game because at this point we know how easily hooked this guy is. Somebody apparently screamed, you bleeping suck at West Brick as he was walking off the court, which it's not cool. All right. I'm not in any way saying you bought a ticket, you have the license and you have the liberty to do that. I mean, you got to have better things to do. Go to the game, boo, talk some junk. You got to be better than that. But a lot of guys aren't. A lot of people aren't. The player has to know that. West Brick especially. Westbrook has to know at this juncture of his career, because he's been in it a long time, that there's going to be a certain small, small, small percentage that are there for no other reason than hook him. Because their lives didn't turn out the way they had hoped, and that's a win for them. You think for one second that that guy or any other guy or gal can go to the arena and get under his skin and get him to react that that's not a win for them? That's not a big day for them? Of course. No, they shouldn't be doing it. Yes, it's lame, but it exists, and you know what's going to happen. Man, keep walking, especially after going 0 for 11. But West Brick couldn't. He got hooked. Not cool. Not cool, but again, not untrue. Because last night, he did bleeping suck. He went 0 for 11. That's the definition of bleeping sucks. So allegedly, allegedly, Russ, I'm saying allegedly, Russ hit him back with, say it to my face. And so the fan just said it to his face. Right in my face. Because pretty much anybody would right about now. Or a lot of people would. And again, it's not untrue. And then you hook the guy, and then it's even more of a story. So all of that provided a perfect opportunity for the GM to get up on the postgame podium and spew another horrible backwards take. Not like the other night. The other night when he got up on the podium, he actually was spewing truth. Like, I liked his take, and so he went with that lame football analogy. When he was talking about the truth about the shooters, when he was talking about the truth, about the way the roster was constructed, even though he was running the 
fake GM under the bus when he's the de facto GM. But what he said was actually pretty true. They don't have a bunch of lasers. But then he went back to doing what he does, and that's saying things that make no sense whatsoever at times, and then running the opposite of the truth. You know, like, remember last year when the GM said last year was, quote, not a failure? I mean, it's not a failure at all. Let me check that. I want to check myself. He didn't say it's not a failure. He said it's not a failure at all. I mean, it's not a failure at all. Even though it was the biggest failure in the history of the franchise. If you like that one, you will love this one. This is what he said last night. Uh, Just flush it down the toilet and get ready for Sunday. He's a veteran. Uh, We've all had bad shooting nights. I've had bad shooting nights. Everybody in this league has had bad shooting nights. Who cares? Um, I thought he played a... uh, I thought he played a great game. By you know, defensively he was in tune. He was locked in. He pushed the tempo. Just didn't make any shots, man. He, you know, and that's okay. I mean, he had five steals. You know, two back to back in the critical time. Uh, you know, when they were trying to post him against Kawhi, he just didn't make any shots. So, and that's fine. But you know, flush it down the toilet and uh, get ready for Sunday. Wow, the GM talking about Russ. Flush it down the toilet and get ready for Sunday, my man. First of all. You can't go with that. That's not yours. That's a Jalen Hurts thing. We're going to flush it and move on. And it's a billion times cooler when Jalen says it than when you say it. And yes, I did say that. A billion times cooler when Jalen says you flush that deuce and you move on. We're going to flush it and move on. Flush down the toilet. You can't do that, LeBron. That's not yours. That belongs to Jalen. It's proprietary. Every once in a while, I have uh, James Kelly moments. It's a perform. Second of all, Westbrook. St. Louis. See? Say, you you are who you roll with. And I've been rolling with him for a long time now, more and more. And even that kind of, I hate to say it, it's contagious. It's infectious. It's like the verbal herp. Winthrop. I had an outbreak. Thanks, James. Next, Westbrook did not play a great game. Again, LeBron's forgotten more ball than I'll ever know, but don't tell me he played a great game. What do you mean he played a great game? He did not play a great game. He didn't play a good game. He didn't play an okay game. He was terrible. He was 0 for 11 from the field. So how are you going to sit up there and say he played a great game? He played a great game. By, you know, defensively, he was in tone. He, he played a in. great game? He went 0 for 11. He played a great game. He was minus six in a game where the Lakers lost by, wait for it, six. The good thing I had them, or I had the Clippers minus five and a half, which I did. I'm telling you, the odds makers are something else, aren't they? That's why that game, that gambling game is hard, dog. Anyway, he didn't play a great game. I know you're trying to hype this guy up. I know you're trying to pump this guy up. I know you're trying to, quote, lead. Easier to say and give you credit for leading if you didn't blow up the team a game earlier. I thought he played a great game. He did not play a great game. He just didn't, and you know he didn't. He he played the exact opposite of a great game. Just like last season was the exact opposite of not a failure at all. The biggest failure. I mean, it's not a failure at all. Yes, it is. It's the biggest failure. And it was not a great game. I thought he played a great game. Like when I hear him say things like that, I just want to go, oh! 
The way things are looking right now, that purple and gold Titanic is going to be a bigger disaster this year than last year. These things are already happening two games in. So LeBron said he played a great game. Westbrook was asked what he thought and if, in fact, he played a great game. How would you assess your game tonight? Um, solid. Yeah, solid. Um, played hard. That's all you can ask for. Um, we'll to the next one. I understand that you dudes have to have a certain mindset and mentality, but you got to be real and you got to own it. Like, when this show sucks, I'm the first one to say it. Today sucked. That was not a good day. That was not a good um, show. So it just wasn't. And um, solid. It was not solid, Russ. You went 0 for 11. How was that solid? Um, solid. How was that solid? Anything but that. Like, it, you all saw it. You saw how many shots I missed. All of them. I thought he played a great game. Why are you asking me that? I would rather him snap like that. Why are you asking me that? You saw. You saw me miss 11 shots. Um, solid. So I thought I was great. I thought I was amazing. I, damn, I, I'm good, man. I am really good. I've never played better. I'm the guy. Um, solid. I'm, a, I'm unguardable. Solid. I'm unstoppable. You see me attack the rim? You see, if those guys, hey, hey, you want to disrespect me by sagging off me and challenging me to shoot it? Bring it all damn game. I'm because solid. I'm that guy. I'm Attack the rack. Assault the rack. Dent the rack. Break the rack. Shatter the glass. Whatever. Shoot it off the side of the glass. Whatever. One guy says, I thought he played great. And the guy himself said, I thought I played solid. Hey, I'm man, solid. Whatever, whatever works for y'all. Y'all are 0-2. And I'm seeing a boat that's going right to the bottom of the ocean and I'm hearing the people on that boat trying to get off it and it's scary you know what it sounds like it sounds like that you know what I took my kids to see Space Jam 2 because they were so proud of me and they associate me with the original and when Jake and Logan sat down in the, in the seats to watch it and they started to watch it and that film rolled they sounded like this They walked out of the theater throwing up on each other and crying. I'm like, boys, pull it together. Jake, you're 21. Logan, you're, you're 17. Stop. You're embarrassing yourselves and me. I know. It was horrible. I know. I know. I know. The legacy is wrecked. When we come back. Hey now, how we living? Welcome to the jungle. I am Jim Rome. Something that is not shocking, but is amazing. Bills, Chiefs, in the end. Mafia, you got yourself a different ending, didn't you? Yeah!
And now the throw is going to be intercepted by Buffalo. Picked off on a side. Massive win for the Mafia. Jordan Poyer. He drives 15 hours and he plays in the game. Mad, mad, mad respect. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate it. Poor Jordan Poyer getting his new contract. That was as badass as it gets. Thanks for the vine, Jim. I'll talk to you soon. I say war to Rick and Buffalo. Special teamer Schooler wants to get to Belichick. And he's saying, son. Hey, kid, do you know how many balls my team's have recovered over the years? than the number of zits on your pimple-ridden face, son. Ross Tucker. Yeah, I've been listening. I was loving it last week when the guy tweeted you and said, dude, can you just give me your pick? You're going to complain. It's like, how do you think this works? What do you think we're doing here? What are we doing, what are we doing like, here? What are we doing? what are we doing here? The kick on the way, and that kick is knuckling toward the upright, and it's good! You know who loved that kick? Tom Candiotti. If he saw that, he would have a great appreciation for that kick. Yo, Candy, shout out. My brother. Brother. Wow. That's like Rome getting a tattoo of Mr. Radio Man above his jock panties. I wonder if that was on the Bob Kraft wedding registry. The other half of Tom Brady's face. Right, Damn, somebody face. got it already. I guess oh, Bobby's going to give himself another juicer. Wait, what's this shipping on that? And the ball loose. If I can't call you direct, then I ain't calling Everything has to be patched through to get to the guy. I mean, what do you tell me next? The center hikes the ball to the manager, who then hands it to Russ. He on a struggle bus. Broncos country. country. Talk to my manager. This is what I'm pissed about. I sat there in that stadium for five hours. I had to go home last night and make myself a sausage sandwich from my goddamn life with Clinton. Ah! Ernest Jones. Dude, how nice are those two days? Do you do nothing at all? Do you try to kind oh, of recover? Nothing at all. You just sit here. No responsibility right now. Dude, how awesome is it sometimes to do nothing? Oh, it's great. Oh, America was invented. Look on the back of a $100 bill if you have one. We are America's team. So, you know, you're... JD! JD, back. get out of the water! JD! Shark! That's the shark alarm! Shark. Get out! Get out! Billy going down to yellow and brown. That's what's it. How do you tools not know how horrible that sounded when you did that? Emails. Shame to wear my Padre hat. Rit, you're old, bald, and fat. That's what's in. Whatever clowns that made that song, you were definitely Dodger fans, okay? Stop trying to hate and just learn how to hit. That's what's in. DeMarcus, where is my guest? Dude, that introduction was great, man. I always say the Rome is burning, baby. Von Miller, how does he look to you? I talked to Vaughn a couple weeks ago, and he was like, man, there is nothing to do here but play football. Do you know how focused I am? Y'all have a huge beef with me moving the beef segment. Not that big a deal, clones. Why? After all she's done for us, leave our beef segment alone. The truth of the matter is, it's not like a lot of lasers on our team. One game in, he already was saying those things. The LA Lakers, same as they ever were, only worse and older. Howard Beck, one game in, Howard. (laughs) It's usually something he might do in January, February, when, you know, that's closer to the trade deadline. Personally, I don't mind him sounding an alarm right out of the gate. He's not wrong. Why don't we switch up? Why don't we try calls first? Look out. Damn. I I got brains all over the monitors. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. God. Nicole's. Calls first. That's what we're doing. Methylene, methylene, you're so obscene. Put down the crack pipe and your phone and go away. A cute angina? What's happening, partner? My beef's with the Oakland Raiders. Urgh, Las Vegas Traders. My beef is with those tiny nylon binders that clothing companies thread <laughs> through their products. Look here, Larry. You need some freaking electric shock therapy. I don't do drugs. You... Whatever. It'll be 6 o'clock out here. If that cranked up and rolling. And- the Crank! Whenever I see your smiling face, 
I want to punch it flat because I hate you. Yes, I do. Get out of the nose, Slack. Just watch out with her lands on your back. Deloro's coming in. I don't know, James. But you're pushing it, dude. I think now we're both in big trouble. Bobby Okereke is my guest. You know, when you got a guy like Darius who accounted for 13 takeaways or something last year, like, you got to step your game up. Step your game up. They played a great game. By your- I'm solid. Yeah, solid. I just see the antics, you know. I don't want the podcast stuff. Just give me the damn picks. Look at the Bears. This is... Um... I've got a score all in my butt. Absolutely damn anytime. War defecate Metcalf's pants. <laughs> Turn into a Chuck E. Cheese outlet. Cheese watch out. Weird. Oh, we will talk baseball next time, my man. Yes, sir. Appreciate you, Jim. Chargers got the muff. Muff, you lost. Suck it up. Who loves you, baby? That's what's in. Good night now. Good night now.